bring new life. Let's uh, stand and we're going to pray for Israel. Can we do that? Let's pray for Israel. Let's pray. Father, we know that you're almost here. We know that your word is true and that you're coming back to take us off this horrible place. But, but Israel has to go through it for us to get to it. And so I just pray this morning for your, your people that you would have your hand upon them. That you would comfort them that they would know that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And if anybody needs Jesus, it's the Israelite people. So Father, encourage them to seek your face and lead them to Jesus. I pray for those who are sharing the witness of Christ in the nation of Israel. You would give them a boldness with the Holy Spirit that they would not be afraid to share the gospel in a, probably the most difficult place on the planet to share it. Open their hearts up to you, Lord. Help us, Father, to support them in prayer throughout the week. Let us not forget them. They are your people. And we are grateful for them. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship. God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging seas, my God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Come on, we sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling songs away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. 
good and he's here and you're here come on I will love you 
for the wrongs that you've redeemed. I know you're able, and my eyes don't have to see one more reason to believe. Cause when I think of how you bless me, how your hand has never let me go, you've never let me go.
Come on, sing it out loud. God's been good, hasn't he? He's going to be better if you trust him. Let's have a seat for a moment. Uh, We've got like 4,000 announcements to make. And we've got one more worship song to go. Uh, Men, we're still meeting uh, this week, uh, 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., whichever one you can make it on Wednesday. Uh, We're in 1 Kings chapter 18, trying to learn how to be men of God. Amen? So wives... Stop bugging your husbands about being home on Wednesday and make them go to the men's meeting, right? Lead them to that. Help them with that, right? It'll change their lives. It'll change your home. Um, first Thursday at 6 p.m. on Thursday, November 2nd is uh, going to be a pretty special night. We're going to have Verlin teach on what's going on in Israel right now. So that'll be the lesson that comes on first Thursday, Thursday, November 2nd, 6 p.m. Bring your potluck. I, I got to tell you something. The, the ladies in this church know how to cook. And not Costco food either. That comes from me, but they can cook. Um, we had a combination last week of uh, something from um, the Philippines and something from America, and I just blended them all together on rice, and they were two di- totally different things. It was awesome. I, I, I think more people should attend church just for the potluck. Very excited about that. Um, the men's fellowship night, what we're building up to is November 6th. Uh, that's a Monday night. Um, I wrote a note here and I don't know what it says. Oh, tickets. There we go. <laughs> Buy tickets are $10 a piece. They're out um, at the information table. So get signed up and get paid up and get ready to be changed. Amen. Looking, looking very forward to that. Um, my wife's got that one. This is my wife, by the way. <laughs> She's, she's the pretty one in the family. Um, we have baptisms today. We have three of them. They are, they are down at the um, Yacht Club. If you don't know where that is, find Joey. Joey will be the last one to leave, even though he's doing the baptisms. We're going to make him. No, no, we need to have somebody else. We'll have Derek be the last one. You're the last one to leave? Okay, so Cassie's going to be the last one to leave. Uh, so if you need to know where to go, just wait. Hang around the parking lot. Just wait. It's just down the road, to the left, around a corner. <laughs> Take another left. We're right by the river. If you go over the river, you've gone too far. Come back. Come back. And then take a right and then go left. And you'll, you'll find it. Um, why don't we do them in the, in the building? Because we love baptisms at the river. They're just something about... It's really special about that. So we have three baptisms today for that. Um, before my wife talks, uh, I want to... This is Pastor Appreciation Month, but we've changed it because I think that that's too much emphasis on one or of two people. So we've made it Ministry Appreciation Month where we appreciate those who are doing ministry. This week, we're going to talk about the worship team. Um, well, we'll talk about production first. In production is Amy and Stephen and Derek and Krista. Nope, I read that wrong. Derek, Cassie, 
No. My handwriting's here. Christine. There we go. I can't read my handwriting. I should have typed it out. Um, Chloe and Tristan. And for the worship team, we have Anya and Angelo and Krista and Anthony. And deacons are, uh, where's, where's the deacons? Let's have them stand. We got one up there. You got to stand up in the dark so we can see you. And Joey's right there. They have been uh, faithful deacons for years. And what deacons do is things that I don't uh, need to do so I can spend time in the Word and in prayer. Amen? And they do a good job of that. Um, next week we'll talk about the elders. Um, but let's, uh, before my wife speaks, because I don't know how long she's going to take. It'll be short and sweet. Okay. Well, I'll let you talk then, and then, okay. then, we'll, then we'll do the offering. I'm short and sweet, so yeah. it'll be short and sweet. <laughs> I just wanted to let all the women know that we are going to have two women's events coming up, one in November and one in December um, for the, to finish out this year. So on November 10th, I want you to mark your calendars so you do not miss out. It's on a Friday. We are going to have some worship, some teaching, some fellowship, and who knows what else. But it's going to be fun. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to be there and for lives to be changed. And then in December, we are going to have an ornament white elephant gift exchange on December 15th. That's also a Friday, so go ahead and start hunting for your ornaments. I've already been searching. <laughs> That's going to be a fun night. We'll have a little bit of worship, and it's just going to be a hoot. We're all going to be laughing, and it's going to be a great time. So just mark your calendars, and I'll keep reminding you each week. So in competition at the Men's Fellowship on November 6th, we're going to have elephant. <laughs> Maybe. Is that legal? I don't know. Oh, no, it's not. Okay. Okay, we won't, we won't have elephant. I'm just teasing. It was a joke. Please don't send me to jail. Let's pray for the offering. Father, you have been so good to us. America is much more wealthy than we deserve to be. And you've blessed us not just as a country, you've blessed us as a people. And so, Father, my prayer is that we recognize and are thankful for your provision in our lives. And in doing so, that we trust you more than we trust what America can do or what the world can do for us. That we trust what you do for us in providing for our families with our jobs and with our finances and with, with our lives. So we just look to you today, Lord, as people give their tithes and offerings to this ministry. We pray, Lord God, that it results in souls being saved and lives being changed. And that ministry happens every week because of the, the sacrifice that people make for the kingdom. We love you. We just pray that you are encouraged by our hearts. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, you sat down long enough. We got one more song to do, so let's stand one more time. So this song is titled, It Is Well. Um, and there's lyrics that says, Far be it from me to not believe, even when my eyes can't see, and this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. People in this room are struggling with things. People in this room are fighting fights that the rest of us don't know about. This is a faith community. There are people next to you, and there's a God that sees you. So let's sing this together as a church, that our God is big, and that we can trust Him, and that He sees us trusting Him. Amen.
the sound of his voice and seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard and through it all through it all my eyes are on you and through it all this morning.
Father, I don't know how people live without you. I have no idea how they handle this life without your presence and your purpose and your praise and your peace that you give. So Father, I just want to take a moment and just let us just kind of thank you for who you are and what you do. So Father, we're just going to let people pray to you right now, to themselves. Just give you a, a thought of praise for a moment. Many of us have been through some pretty tough stuff. But God has brought us through it. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we just pray that as you continue on in this service that we're continued to be open to your spirit. That you move in us to change us, to draw us closer to you, to encourage us, to trust you. In Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, y'all may be seated. And kids, thank you. You guys did wonderful today. You are dismissed. Yeah, give the kids a hand, amen. Angelo and Anya now have to go teach the kids. We keep people busy around here. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1. Last week I was speaking to a wonderful young lady named Suzanne and she commented to me that if I wanted to, she said if I wanted to, meaning I had an out. If I wanted to, preach on Hebrews chapter 12, especially regarding to perseverance. And I thought to myself at first, that would be too hard. I'm going to make up some lame excuse why I can't do that. Because there's a lot there. What I didn't know was that God was speaking to her for me. So what I'm bringing you today is um, probably gave me more understanding of what's going on in my life in the last few years than anything that I've experienced in the last few years. The title is simple, and you're going to hear it over and over again. Jesus didn't quit. Jesus didn't quit. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus didn't quit. Jesus didn't quit. Just, and just keep telling them that until they understand it. Jesus didn't quit. So if you're ready, we're going to pray and then we're going to jump in. So I'm going to, I just feel more comfortable praying on my knees if that's okay. It's harder to get up at my age, but let's pray. Father, we're here for you. We're here because of your son, Jesus. And we're here because the Holy Spirit has led us to worship together today. Father, there, there are some in the room, Lord God, that have been going through difficult times and they want to quit. And they believe they have justification for that. And maybe they do. But Father, I want to encourage them today to trust you. 
I want to encourage them today to, to learn from you to not quit. That you've got something greater on the other side of whatever we're into right now, whatever struggle we're in, whatever we need to persevere through, Lord God, whatever is holding us down, pressing us down, beating us up, whatever the tough things that we're going through right now, there's something on the other side. If we just trust you, So encourage our hearts today. Holy Spirit, please move on the hearts that are hard today to feel your presence and to trust your leadership and surrender to your, your voice. We love you in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, I don't want to get up now. Okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Did I ask you to put those up? You got them? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 and 3. I'll just read it. I'll put on my old, old person's glasses. The other night we did a first Thursday, and they were cockeyed on my face, and nobody said a word. So I'm going to just believe that this is the way it's supposed to be. I can't believe you guys let me teach with it. I'm, a, I'm still offended. I need to get that right with God. <laughs> Hebrews 12 starts out saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with race, run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. Hmm. Can we just sit there for a while? The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted yet to the point of shedding your blood. And I'll stop right there. Hebrews chapter 11, before Hebrews chapter 12, is a witness to us about how men and women throughout history have lived by faith. And if you ever want to read the scripture and understand who God is and what God does, read Hebrews chapter 11 and just go to the, each story. Go to Abraham's story in, in the book of Hebrews and then go to the Abraham story in Genesis. Go to Noah, Genesis. Go wherever these guys were. Go find their, their story in the Bible and read it for yourself. And it'll, it'll change your life to see how these men and women stood up for God. The writer of Hebrews stated that all these died in faith, meaning they died at some point in time, but they had faith. But they never received the things that were promised by God. Even though they didn't get the promises that they were looking for, that, that was motivating them to trust God, the motivating them to obey God, they still didn't receive those promises. They died without receiving the promise. But they also didn't quit. I'm going to read just a section of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, that kind of gives us an idea of these men and women who are trusting God. 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire. I think it's King James that says violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by, by resurrection. Good stuff. That's the kind of faith that I want to have where all the good stuff happens. Amen? I want the kind of faith where all the good stuff happens, where I get victory after victory after victory after victory. I just want to win all the time. My son and I used to play Mario Kart, and he let me win all the time because he knew that if he didn't let me win, I would quit and stop playing. <laughs> so he would let me win. But it goes on to say, some were tortured. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. They were more concerned about how heaven viewed them than how earth viewed them. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. We hear about people going to jail for being a Christian, but we've never seen it ourselves. It doesn't happen in America. Well, it does, but just not to the same degree. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. This is the exciting part about faith, right? How many of you signed up for that? They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. See, most of us live our faith life based upon what God promises us. And when, when we don't see what God's promised us coming to fruition, we stop following Jesus. We don't see the fruit that we think we should see, that we, we've read about in other stories. We, we stop following him. We, we quit. It goes on to say, since God provided something better for us, that apart from the, us, they should not be made perfect. We get something better than they got. They all died in faith, never received the things that were promised by God, but they didn't quit. And then it goes on to say that we have it easier than them. They only knew of a Jesus that was coming. We actually have seen what Jesus did when he came. Their stories were being written as, as they went along. They, weren't, they didn't have their story already written in a book and started reading their story and go, oh, this is what life's going to be like. Okay, well, I'll trust that this is going to work out for me. They didn't have the story that it's going to work out. What they had was the story that there's going to come a Savior one day who's going to save us from our sins. See, the Bible was written after their stories of faith. They knew Jesus was coming, but they hadn't seen him yet. They didn't have Jesus' example of faith. We get to look at the scriptures and see who Jesus was and how he lived and how he trusted God and how he did miraculous things. We, we get to see how he did it. So we get it better because we get to look back at what he did. We don't have to look forward to what we don't know. We have the advantage they never had. This passage communicates to us that there's a, that history has given them some examples of faith with the tested, tried, and tough. So we have these witnesses that they, they aren't watching over us. We're watching what they did. 
And not only do we get to look to their stories, we get to look to Jesus. And if we do, it's easier for us to lay down our sin and, and let down the burdens of the heaviness of life because life gets hard sometimes. Sometimes sin is hard to let go of. Unless I'm the only one that has that problem. But we get to look to Jesus as a way out. But what do we see if we look to Jesus? Three simple words that we started with. Jesus never quit. 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 If he's our example, Jesus never quit. When he was tempted by Satan, Jesus didn't quit. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, the story of Jesus being tempted by the devil is there. And I'm not going to go there because it takes a lot of time. But I just want to read my take. This is my take on what happened with Jesus' temptation. Satan said to Jesus, If you are who you say you are, feed yourself by turning stones into sandwiches. Turn stones into bread, just to help you out with the scripture. But it's a sandwich. Jesus replied, I live carb free. I don't need bread. I need every word that Jesus that God said. I don't need bread. I don't need physical sustenance. What I need is the word of God. What brings me life is the word of God. What feeds me is the word of God. It's not bread. I like bread. My wife started making sourdough bread. I'm eating bread like a crazy man. And, and thanks to my disease, it keeps, my, keeps the weight off. So I just get to keep eating bread. This is awesome. It'd be like peanut butter parfaits every day would be, if that was healthy for me, that would be awesome. Jesus said, I need everything that God says. I don't need food. I need God's word. Satan then tempted him again and said, if you say, if you are who you say you are, jump off this roof and that'll be the proof that you are who you say you are. Jesus replied, I don't need to test my God. I know he's true to you. How many times do we say, God, if you're really God, do this. Jump off, go ahead, then just jump off something high. Say, his angels will pick me up. Well, I sure hope the angels show up because if I jump off and they don't show up, I'm in trouble. Because I don't fly. I know he's true to you. I know he's true to you. Come on, Christian, this is the question. When you're being tempted by the devil to doubt God, do you really believe in God? Do you really, do you really? Did I just break those glasses? That would have been terrible. They're Elsie's. Good thing she's a forgiving person. Do you really know that he's true? No, really. Do you really know that he's true? No, I think he's true. Wait until you get to a time of temptation where you want to make God prove himself to you. That'll decide whether you really believe he's true or not. Satan said, trusting God is no life. Serve me and I'll give you all the stuff the world has to offer. 
How many of you have been tempted by that? I could get a better boat. Because that wouldn't be life. I could get a fancier car. I could get a bigger house. It's funny how big a house, how big a house do we have to have? Anyway, that's, I won't go there. Serve me and you have all the stuff you have. And Jesus replied, go away, Satan. God's all I need. Is God all you need? Satan's going to tempt you to want the things of the world. He's going to tempt you to think you don't have enough. He's going to tempt you. Like, like, like if you have salvation, that should be enough. If you have a happy marriage, that should be plenty. Because unhappy marriages get expensive really quickly. Amen. I need what God said. I know that God's true. And I will never, ever, ever worship what you have to offer, Satan. When you're tempted, we have Jesus' example of how to fight that temptation. I won't quit. Because I believe the word of God. Second thought here about Jesus not quitting. When expectations got too high. Jesus didn't quit. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And when they picked up the fragments, they had 12 baskets of fragments of bread. And they started out with five loaves and two fishes. That's how God works. He multiplies. Wow, nothing. Thank you. God multiplies. I feel alone here. And Jesus does that for them and he leaves and goes to the other side so he can take care of more people. And he goes to the other side and the 5,000 people follow him because they wanted more bread. That's pretty good bread and fish when Jesus cooks it up for you. See, they didn't really want Jesus. What they wanted was a free lunch. So Jesus tells them, he gets to the other side, he says, hey, just so you know, I'm the bread of life. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And he says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. He says, why are you working so hard at things that aren't going to fill you up? I've got something better. I got the bread of life. But all they wanted was a free lunch. So Jesus was trying to tell them that a free lunch isn't enough. Like if you've ever had a McFish sandwich, I don't even know what they call those things. Is it a McFish? Come on, I know you eat at McDonald's. I see you people there. It was the life that he was offering through sacrifice. That was what he was saying. I'll give you a life, but you're going to have to sacrifice. And he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of, of the world is my flesh. What will help you, what will feed you is the salvation that he offer, offers you. But he goes on to make this statement. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. 
as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds, feeds on me, he will live because of me. Jesus was saying that if you want to live, you're going to have to participate in the life that I'm living. Meaning you're going to have to live a life of sacrifice and suffering. I don't know who told you being a Christian was easy, but they lied. And if it is easy, you're probably not living by faith. Amen? Okay, we got all quiet. This troubled the disciples because they wanted to follow Jesus without cost. They wanted a free lunch. And there's people in this room that get upset when things get hard as a follower of Jesus Christ because what you want is a free lunch. You want to be a consumer. You don't want to be a, 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 a cruci crucified Christian. See, you're okay with Jesus sacrificing his life for you, but when he says, hey, I want you to sacrifice your life for me, you're like, nah, nah that's not what I signed up for. So the Bible says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. By the way, that's John 666. That's free. I did not even study that out. I just read it right out of the book. Raw and real. And he goes on to his closest friend. And then, so they, they said, this is too hard. We're not going to, this is too much. I don't want to have to sacrifice or suffer for the cause of Christ. I want it done for me. And he goes to his friends and he says, are you going to go away as well? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What he said was, we know you're the true one. We're going we're to give our lives for you. You'll find if you walk along with Jesus enough, long enough, there will be those who come for the free lunch and churches filled with consumeristic Christians. And all you have to do is raise the expectation of what God expects of you as a believer in Jesus Christ to find out who's going to stay and who's going to go. When I first started pastoring, there's a typical thing that happens when a pastor transitions. You get a new pastor and everybody who left the church before comes back. And they come back because they think the next guy is going to be better than the guy that they left because of. I'm going to die here. So you got a long, long ways to go. So I was in it three weeks. I had only preached. This is my third Sunday I've ever preached in my life. I, I didn't know how to preach when they voted me in as a pastor. That's how dumb these people were. They voted me in as a pastor before I even knew how to preach. They just saw my good looks and said, we got to have that guy as our pastor. He looks like a man of God. Yes, I was younger and Angela might tease me for this ch chicken thing going on here, but So about the third week, we were, we, were, we were running 80, and we got to about 150 in three weeks. And I preached a message on 10 things that God requires of a Christian. Guess what happened the next week? We were back to 80. I fixed that problem. All you got to do is raise the expectation, and you find out. And you know what happens? It gets discouraging. Because I've seen many people quit because other people quit. Some of you were brought to church by your parents and they brought you to church and they taught you who Jesus was, but now they don't even go. Amen. Y'all got quiet. 
When you were little, they brought you, and now they don't go themselves, and you're like, well, what happened? So I'm not going to go because the one that brought me to church isn't even going. Or you've had friends who have come to church, and you're here because of your friends, and then they get mad at the preacher because it happens all the time. And they leave, and you're like, well, I was only here for my friend. See, Jesus didn't quit. There came a point in time when he was heading to the cross. Every one of his disciples left him. Even Peter, who was so confident that he would never deny Christ, denied Christ three times. Have you ever had a friend like that who trusted God and who followed God and maybe led you to Christ and brought you to church and taught you who Jesus was and discipled you? And now they're not even following Jesus themselves. And you're saying, well, if it didn't work for them, how's it going to work for me? You just don't quit. You don't quit because they quit. You just don't quit because Jesus didn't quit when everybody forsook him. Praise God. Amen. When having to stand up for his faith, Jesus didn't quit. The Bible tells us that the night before he died, he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he was so stressed about what was going to happen. He was, it was as if he was, uh, blood was pouring through his sweat glands. That's how much stress was going on in his life. And he asked God an honest question. Do I have to do this? Have you ever asked God that question? Do I have to do this? Do I, I mean, this is really going to be hard. Following you and, and obeying you and trusting you is really going to be hard. Do I have to do this? And then luckily Jesus said, it's not about me. It's about you, God. But how often do we get to that place where it's not about God, it's about us? And we quit because we don't think that it's, that it's fair or it's right that God would expect us to trust him that way. See, I believe that every Christian at some point will, in their walk will be asked to give their lives for others. It will cost you comfort. It might put you in the midst of chaos. As the witnesses of Hebrews chapter 11. And you've got to choose. Do I quit? Or do I continue? Is it about me? Or is it about him? So much of what's done in Christianity, it's about me. How it benefits me. How I get to go to heaven when I die because of what Jesus did. I'm not thinking about somebody else who's going to hell because they've never heard the gospel from you. See, Jesus didn't quit. In that night, in that moment, the most difficult, most stressful, most anxiety-filled moment in his life, he says, it's not about me. See, we need to, like Jesus, when we're asked by God, to do something difficult. We need to stand up and say, it's not about me. It's not about me. I'm not going to quit because it's not about me. Whatever you're going through, whatever God's leading to, it's bigger than you. Let me give you the fourth one because we've got two more and we'll be done. Well, you know me. I might add a couple more. When day turned to night, Jesus didn't quit. There was a moment during his suffering on the cross where he had been falsely accused, he'd been famously abused, where he had been nailed to the cross and mocked by the Jews. And in this moment, Hebrews chapter 12 says, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He was enduring the cross, but he hated the shame that he was experiencing from people. How they mocked him, how they falsely accused him, how they abused him. And this was painful for him. 
And truth is, shame is a stumbling block to us. One of the reasons why you don't share the gospel with somebody is because you're afraid they're going to make fun of you. So you're ashamed. I know some of you used to go to church faithfully, but now you don't because you've got a spouse who mocks you. I did that with my wife. She got on fire for Jesus, started going to church, and I would stay at home. And then when she got home, I would make fun of her for going to church. I'm just warning you, this is what happens when you do that. So ladies, if your husbands are making fun of you, just wait. God will get a hold of them. Yeah, just ask her how to pray. It's unfair. 1 Peter chapter 3. In his son's shame, the father couldn't take it anymore. And so God turns the lights out. Says, I can't watch my son go through this. I can't see him being mocked by people that I created. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, God just says, I'm just going to kill everybody and start over. Like, he has the ability to do that. But he knew that Jesus needed to go to the cross. He knew that he had to suffer shame. He knew that it was going to be harder on his son, but he didn't have to watch it. See, the weight of mankind's sin was slowly separating Jesus from his father. And the father says, I can't look at it anymore. And in the darkness, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where are you? I've never been apart from you. I've never not been able to feel your love and your life and your light. I've never been in the darkness like this before. But that's what sin does. See, Jesus couldn't quit. Because Jesus wanted to defeat Satan because he knew what Satan was about. He knew that the earth was dark, but Jesus was the light. And Jesus couldn't quit. Big statement. Disobedience caused humanity to be in trouble in the first place. It's, it's what caused us to get into trouble with, with God, was disobedience. So Jesus could have said, I'm not going to go to the cross. Disobeyed his father. That's what got us into this anyway. Our sins would have never been forgiven. Jesus had to obey the Father staying on that cross no matter how much shame he felt. No matter how dark it got. He had to stay on that cross for the sake of my sins. I don't know about your sins, but he had to stay on the cross to pay for my sins because he knew that I couldn't do it on my own. Coming down from the cross was never an option for Jesus. Though darkness reigned for three hours, he never quit. Do you realize there are people relying on your testimony of faith in Jesus Christ? And you are the only light in the dark world they live in. And if you quit, they have no light. If you quit, they have no hope for salvation. If you quit, it gives them the excuse to why they don't need to believe because you didn't believe. Sometimes the weight of our own sin and the weight of other sin is really heavy. It's a burden. But without your testimony of the light of Jesus Christ changing your life, they're left with no hope at all. They stay in the darkness. 
You might be the only light in the dark world they live in. You can't quit. And my favorite point of this whole morning, when Jesus was in the tomb, he didn't quit. When Jesus was in the tomb, he didn't quit. In, in most gravesides, once the body's in the ground, the family moves on from closure. They don't stay at the graveside and wait for the person to come up out of the grave. I've done multiple gravesides and we always leave the body there. We never take it home with us. That would be weird. But we leave it there and we move on. And we might go back to that place over time and kind of revisit it and revisit our, our loved ones. I've got a uh, I, I've taken the teenagers on a couple of different trips over the years to go visit my parents. They're buried at the cemetery in Warrington. You didn't get that, did you? I say, let's go see, let's go meet my parents. And I take them to the graveyard and show them where the headstone is. That's where my parents are. Freaks them out every time. I love doing it. I'm going to keep continue to do that until I'm long gone. In fact, when I'm dead, take, bring people to see your old pastor. Let me bring you to see my old pastor. Your, my old pastor will be a real blessing to you. Come, and I'll just, there'll just be a patch of grass and a headstone. It says, here lies Pastor Andy. I don't know what else it's going to say. Come up with something. Be cool. I won't be here, so it won't matter. But see, physically, once the body is placed in the grave, it's going nowhere. Until Jesus comes back, that's a whole other story. So I don't want some preacher to come tell me, well, you should have added that. No, just, just stop. But before the angels rolled back the stone to the, from the sepulcher, Jesus didn't quit. Now, I'm not going to go into what happened in the sepulcher. I'm, I just know this. I know that when they opened it up, they found his clothing, clothing kind of wrapped and folded neatly in one place, and Jesus wasn't there. But there was a point in time where Jesus had to leave that, that graveside. Though he had been in the grave for three days, the disciples grieved their losses. Jesus was very much alive. I can see Jesus inside the tomb going, open, open, open. <laughs> I can see him just sitting in the tomb, come on, let's go. I want the world to see that I've just defeated Satan and death has no hold on humanity. I want to come out of that grave and I, I can't wait to come out and show everybody, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I want Satan to know you, it didn't work for you. He defeated the devil and destroyed death because of the grave. Jesus didn't quit. Jesus didn't quit. Jesus didn't quit because he knew if it was up to us, we would. Let me tell you something about darkness. I hated this sermon until I got this thought. So this might just be about me. This might just be about me. But I think there's others that can, can understand what I'm talking about when I talk about this darkness. Four years ago, I began to notice some changes in my cognitive abilities. And I was processing differently than I had in the past. And I also noticed some changes in my physical abilities. And I didn't know what they were. I thought I was just getting old. But it was a little accelerated for a 55-year-old man, 56-year-old man. I can't remember how old I am now. I'm 60 now, so it's 56. I thought it was accelerated. And I spent three years wondering what was going on with me. And I remember staff members saying to me, what's wrong with you? I don't know. 
You're not thinking as clearly as you used to. You're not preaching the same way. You don't have the same oomph that you used to have. You, you don't have, the, you're, 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 you stutter a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in the dark about it. I didn't know what was going on. I knew something was wrong. I knew something was different, but I had no clue to what was happening in my body. And then a year ago, I got a diagnosis for the disease that I have. And you would think, great, that brings light to life. I don't know about if you've ever gotten bad physical news, but it sucks. You don't run around saying, oh, I've got this disease. This is great. I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. My, degree, my disease is progressive, and it can be alleviated to a degree, but it's going to get me some point in time. So my time's limited. That put me in another section of darkness. I was in the tomb for three, four years, and I didn't know what was going on. And then I found out what was going on and it made another dark moment for me. Have you ever just gotten that bad news? You just got that bad news. It's like, my future is going to suck. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And it puts you in a dark place. Am I talking to the right crowd? You're in this dark place and it's like, this isn't going to get better. And people around you are saying, you're different. You're not as happy as you used to be. You're not as clear as you used to be. You're not as strong as you used to be. And I wrestled with the graveness of the diagnosis. I was told by Pastor Mark, who I didn't listen to, who I should listen to, because he's right every time. He says, you need to take some time and grieve what's going on. But bless God, I wasn't going to quit. Because that's what I knew was going to happen. If I backed away, I would walk away. Have you ever felt that when things get dark? See, the devil was telling me that it's over. Between you and a good life is a stone that will never be rolled away in your power. You are in this place of darkness. You are stuck here. You're not getting out. I'm not going to let you out. You're, you're here forever. And I struggled inside that tomb. And I thought, maybe this is just where it all ends. I get this diagnosis. I get this disease. I just get progressively worse. Uh, pretty soon they fire me. Um, and that's, that happens. Pretty soon they fire me and I uh, start working at Walmart. Is a greeter. Because that's the only thing I could do. I'm sorry, that was my plan. That's my retirement plan. I just exposed myself. May, I also thought, maybe I'll just stay in here. Maybe I'll just dwell in my darkness. Maybe I'll just dwell in depression. Maybe I'll just dwell in discouragement. Maybe I'll just stay here. And you guys can grieve my loss, and you can at some point move on without me, because I'm in the grave. I'm dead. My life is over. It's done. I remember thinking, this is it. I'm just, just this, this is my Eeyore moment. Oh, well, my life is over. Come on, am I the only one that's experienced that? But see, there's no purpose to that kind of death. If Jesus would have gone to the cross and been buried in the grave and never came out, what good would it have done mankind? 
What good would it do humanity if Jesus would have just lived a perfect three and a half or a great three and a half years of ministry, been crucified and shamed and beaten and bruised, been put in the grave and the stone just stayed put. If the stone doesn't roll away, we have no hope for a better life. If the stone doesn't roll away and Jesus doesn't come out of there and say that we can defeat, show us that we can defeat death, we're just stuck. You see, what I learned recently, what it came to clarity to me, this voice of God came to me and it said, you weren't buried, you were planted. You're not buried. See, I don't know what you're going on in your life. You're not buried, you're planted. My situation is a seed that shows Satan, you can try to dump me in the darkness, but you can't keep me there. You can put me in a hole. You can cover me up. You can throw dirt on it. You can spit on it. I don't care, but I'm coming alive. Because when I come out of there, I'm going to show the devil, you can't take me down. I've got a savior who died for my sins, was buried in the grave. And if he rose from the dead, I have no doubt that I'm going to rise from the dead. John chapter 12, verse 24 says this. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got in, oh, 12. Is it 12? Yeah, John 12. You're going to have to redo that, John 12. Don't worry, we'll just, we'll get it. I guess I could read it. <laughs> now that I threw my glasses away. <laughs> you think Jesus would give sight to the blind? Are we there? I can't whistle either. Let me just read it. There it is. I probably wrote John 6 down there, so it was probably my fault. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Verse 25. Did we not get 25 in there? This just, just isn't working out for me. 25 and 26. Tell me when you got it. These people aren't going anywhere. We're waiting on baptism, so. And if they get up and leave, it's really embarrassing right at this moment. So for those of you that have to go really bad, hold on. Don't quit. Are we there? Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor them. Let's read verse 24 one more time. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The principle is when you're planted in the ground through difficulty or trial or tribulation, God's plan is for you to come out of that grave, come out of that tomb, come out of that darkness and begin to bear fruit that makes a difference in people's lives. The only thing that kills that seed is if you stay in the grave. Recently, I was sent a message that was interpreted by Pastor Mark telling me that the green pastures that I'm seeking are outside the tomb. 
See, I've been dwelling in that darkness. I've been struggling with my diagnosis. I've been saying, this is it. This is all there is. He says, no, no, no. I got some green pastures for you to live in. I've got a life of love and liberty and, and, and light for you to experience. But you've got to come out of that grave. Romans 6, 4, for those getting baptized, they, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. When your life is buried and you think it's over and you think it's death, he wants to open that tomb up. He wants to roll the stone away and he wants you to come out and he's got a life for you to live that you've never expected or never imagined. As Jesus was buried in the grave, And came out giving us life. Don't quit in the grave. Don't quit in the grave. Don't let depression keep you down. Don't let discouragement keep you down. Don't let diagnosis keep you down. Because it's just doctors practicing anyway. I got a, a God who's the great physician. I got a God who knows how to heal my brokenness. And if he wants to keep me broken, I don't have to let it affect my attitude or my spirit or my life. I'm just going to shake a little bit more than I used to. Which is awesome because I love it when the kids say, you're shaking today. And it's like, I love you too, you little. I'm not perfect. I still have my issues. I know for some of you, things seem dark. Some aspect of your life is in the tomb. Others have moved on and grieved your loss. But you're sitting in the dark. And you're trying to decide, am I going to live or am I going to die? Why would you stay in the grave when he wants to roll the stone away? He wants to send an angel down there, but you're not going to leave. He's going to roll the stone away and you're going to be sitting in there, Eeyore. He wants to bring you life and he says there's a, a better life out there for you. But you've got to come out of the grave. But you want to quit. You want to stay there. You want to make excuses for why your life sucks. Amen? Instead of saying, I'm not going to live there anymore. I'm not going to dwell there. I don't have to dwell there. Jesus Christ gave me life and life more abundantly. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Jesus never quit. You want to persevere? Keep fighting on. Don't quit. Watch Jesus. If Jesus could do it, he's given you the ability to do it. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us... Really? Victory. Victory. Through our good works through our good looks, through our healthy bodies, through our perfect lives, through Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, abounding. I think of Tigger, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. Keep serving God. Keep serving your family. Keep loving him. Keep trusting God. Keep obeying him. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. 
History has surrounded us with witnesses who by faith did not quit. And his story is a witness of not quitting. What's your story going to be? Say, Pastor Andy, I don't know. It's not been written yet. That's exactly right. That's what the witnesses didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew that God made a promise and they trusted the promises. Do you trust the promises of God today? Then don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Would you shut up about that? No, I'm not going to shut up about that because don't quit. You want to quit. Satan tells you to quit. Tell Satan to go to hell because that's where he's going anyway. That's where he's going to spend eternity. In the lake of fire. Backstroking. What will your story be? What will your story be? Will one day we gather together as a church and talk about how you, by faith, got victory in Jesus Christ and how you, by faith, through difficult times, difficult trials, difficult struggles, said, no, I'm going to believe God more than I believe the devil? Or are we going to talk about you as somebody who had the opportunity to have God do amazing things and you quit. You say, well, that's not very nice. You shouldn't be talking about me at all. We're talking about the other witnesses. What's your witness? Get out of that grave. Stop sitting in the dark. Stop listening to Satan. He's a liar. Whatever he says about you or to you is a lie. Even if he says you're perfect the way you are, you know better than that. Amen? Jesus didn't quit. When everybody else quit, Jesus didn't quit. When he was stressing over the most painful things, he said, it's not about me. It's about you, God. Jesus didn't quit. Let's stand. Father, I do not know where all these people are. But I know some of them are being tempted by Satan right now to quit. Some of them are under so much pressure they don't know whether they can continue on any farther or any longer. There are some of those, Father, who are under so much anxiety that it's like they're bleeding through their pores. There are some, Lord, who are in the tomb, or I'm sorry, who are in the darkness. They don't know what's going on. They have no idea what's going on in their life. They just know that it's not normal. It's not right. Something's missing. And there's those, Father, who are in the grave. They just, everything's bad. Everything's bad news. Everything's hard. Everything's harsh. And Satan's telling them, stay in the grave. Because Satan knows if they come out of the grave, they're going to start bearing fruit that's going to lead other people to the light of Jesus Christ. Come out. Come out. 
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If the Lord's touched your heart, you need to speak to him at this altar. Come to this altar. We're not going to have any music. We're just going to have heads bowed and eyes closed. Don't get freaked out about silence. Silence is healthy. You can hear God that way, or you can hear me louder. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Come ahead. You're wanting to quit. Come ahead. Just pray and say, Father, give me the strength to not quit. I don't want to quit. This is hard. This is harsh. I hate this moment. I hate the moment that I'm in. Come ahead. Come on. No one's going to call you out. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. There is so much light on the other side of the darkness you're in. There is so much life in that green pasture that God has prepared for you to live in. Don't let the darkness blind you to what's there. Don't quit. Even if you don't know how it's going to end up. You know the promises of God. You just don't quit. Even if you don't get the promises, He's still true and loving and kind and compassionate. Though you're tired of the shame, you're tired of people looking at you negatively, you're tired of of people mocking you because you're not what they think you should be, just you despise the shame. That's okay. Just stay on track. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Church, don't quit. New life, we are heading into a dark time as a, as a, as a world with Israel under attack the way they are, and it's not going to get better. We need Christians who don't quit. Who don't quit. Who don't quit. Don't quit. It's so hard. I know it's hard. That's why we come together to encourage one another, to provoke unto love and good works. I want you to know, you can make it. You can come out. You can survive whatever you're going through if you just get victory through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the advantage that we have. Old Testament believers didn't have his life to look to. We do. Don't quit. And if you're wanting to quit, and this isn't enough, what I'm giving you today, contact me this week. We'll have a conversation and I want to encourage you that you can win. You can win through Jesus Christ. You can win through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how dark, how dark it is. He is the light. He's the hope. He's the help. He's the savior. He's the king. He's the son of God. And if he didn't quit, you don't need to quit. Fathers, be prepared to leave this place. I hope we tell Satan today, stop talking to me, I'm not quitting. Let's make it abundantly clear that we're going to trust Jesus Christ. We're going to stand on him, we're going to stand for him, no matter how dark things get, difficult things get, 
disgusting things get. We're just going to trust our God. Today's the day. Come out of that grave. Today's the day. Step into the light. Today's the day. Let fruit be born on you of faith that causes other people to bear, to, to eat of that fruit and come to know Christ as their own Savior. We love you so, Jesus. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for not giving up on me when I was in that tomb. Thank you for letting me see that I have been planted, not buried. That the fruit in my later years is going to be greater than all the fruit of my earlier years. That what I have coming ahead is far greater than I've ever imagined because I'm not quitting. I'm going to trust you. Encourage your hearts. We love you so. Be with us throughout this week. And Father, we just pray for the baptisms that's coming up. Let us honor you by showing the world that we are not ashamed of Jesus Christ.